0: Please stand for the reading of the word. I'm inviting your indulgence this morning. You are looking there in your text at the English Standard Version, our official version here at PCPC, but I'm going to read this very familiar text from the authorized King James Version. The version that I grew up on that I heard at every Christmas play. And even one time or two in my early years, I remember uh, being the one who recited this at the little tiny Christmas play in our little Baptist church. So here it is. This is the story of the shepherds and the angel and the virgin and Joseph and the baby. a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at all those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. The Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Our Advent series... As you noted on the beautiful cover of our bulletin, the King's Carols. We're going to be looking each Sunday of Advent at one of the carols that we sing at Christmas time and finding in it the theme of the royal birth of Jesus and then associating it with the appropriate scripture passage. That's what we've done this morning. And the carol that is selected is Angels, we have heard. On high. It's number 214 in your hymnal, and we're going to sing it here in just a few minutes. But it's a beautiful little hymn. It's kind of whimsical. It's a French carol. It's traditional. It has no author that we know of. And tradition tells us that it was probably sung over and over by the people. It's a whimsical kind of a tune. And appended to it was a refrain, one of the classical refrains from the song book of the medieval church the gloria in excelsis deo glory to god in the highest and a very catchy and and wonderful tune was put to that of course and that's what we have we have this little traditional carol with a classical refrain going with it and if you look at the words there it just says angels we have heard on high sweetly singing oer the plains And the mountains, in reply, echo back the joyous strains. And the song is Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. And then it's a series of questions. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why this joyous strains prolong? Say what may the tidings be which inspire your heavenly song. And then the praise to God. And then the final stanza, which I'll look at in just a moment. This was first published and put in kind of print form and sung and and then rearranged in the 1700s and then in the 1800s as well. And it comes to us in our hymnal that we'll sing in just a moment. But one of the interesting things about it it is of course right out of Scripture. This is the actual phraseology that was used by these angels. And this is the story, the narrative of something that happened immediately following the birth of Jesus. I suppose in upcoming times we'll talk a little bit more about the actual birth of the Lord. But the birth of Jesus has occurred in Bethlehem. And these shepherds, the scripture says, were in their own region. There are multiple shepherds and multiple flocks. And no doubt in this little pasture area of Bethlehem, the city of David, about six miles from Jerusalem, It's very likely and suggested strongly by some New Testament scholars over the years that these flocks were the sheep that were used in the temple. These were the ones that were sold. In fact, when Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple in his ministry, he was dealing with these men who merchandised these very sheep. They sold them to the people, the pilgrims who had come, Uh, with their money, but not with any animals, and they gave them, converted their cash to animals that they could use in the sacrificial system there, it's very likely that these were those flocks. And if so, they're highly significant because the little lambs of these flocks were the lambs that represented Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And it's interesting that God made this announcement immediately upon the birth to a group of shepherds because we know in God's economy He's always dealt with shepherds. The key leaders of the Old Testament history were shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is to be a shepherd in fulfillment of the great prophecies of Ezekiel, the Lord said, I will shepherd my people. So it's not unusual at all that this announcement would come to these shepherds. The angel that appeared, it says, and to give them the announcement is not named here, but he is named in the, in the birth narratives. It perhaps was Gabriel, the messenger angel who comes to bring the word of God. The word Gabriel means God is my strength and the strength of God is always in his word and the one who bears his word is the angel and he announced to these shepherds and told them the good news in fact what he basically said was in the fullness of time God has sent his son the promise of Isaiah's prophecy was that the Lord would give us a son. A son would be given. A child would be born. And he's coming now to tell us, this is the moment. This is the time. All that's been promised has been fulfilled. All that's been expected has now arrived. The birth announcement to the shepherds. But it wasn't just news and tidings to the shepherd. It's to the whole world. The scripture says it's to all the people comes this gospel message. That's what good tidings mean. It's great joy. It's celebration. It's God has not forgotten his promise. God has not left his people alone. God has not given up. God has redeemed humanity in this new Adam who has just been born. God has redeemed the race. He has restored humanity back. He had entered into humanity and has now restored the lost estate of the family in this treasure, this pearl of great price that has been born Jesus Himself. Jesus will come and Jesus will accomplish a work. And the language that's used is He is a Savior. God's people had lived long enough and suffered long enough. In fact, actually 2,000 years. Imagine that. From the time of Abraham to this night in Bethlehem, a period of 2,000 years had passed. God is not slack concerning his promise. But he is long-suffering. For 2,000 years, God had led his people in their rebellion, in their sin, in their helplessness, in their straying, in their idolatry, in their wickedness. He had waited. Year after year, they'd gone to the temple to make sacrifice. And all these sacrifices, everything that was done, one way or another, pointed to Jesus, When they offered the sacrificial lambs and the, the animals, it was a picture of the death that Christ would die, the atoning, cleansing death. Whenever they would wave the grain offerings, the sheath before the Lord, it was a picture of the harvest. It was a picture of the bread of life. Every time they poured out the wine for the drink offering, it was a picture of the blood shed for their sins and all of this now is coming to fruition and it's coming in a little baby and the angels arrive Gabriel can't do this alone I don't care if he is an archangel the gospel is too big for one angel and so the host of heaven an innumerable host show up to sing the praises this is what they've been doing all day long. The Bible tells us 24 hours a day, they are surround the throne of God Almighty, singing His praises and glorifying Him. And they didn't change their tune. They didn't change their song. They just came to back Gabriel up and to sing the praises. And the Bible says that the glory of the Lord was all around them. All the glory of God. God had manifested Himself to His people in a cloud in a pillar of fire, in a burning bush, in an earthquake, in a thunderstorm, in a still small voice. And now the manifestation of God is that of His full glory, light. God is light, brilliance, and in Him is no darkness at all. And there they were in the night, and yet it was as bright as the noonday on the desert. What a phenomenon, what an announcement, what an awakening, what a time to rejoice. And the scripture says that they told these shepherds where the baby was and gave a description of how to find the baby. Oh, that's what a good messenger from God, that's what a good angel, that's what a good gospel preacher is going to do. A good gospel preacher is going to show you where you can find the baby Jesus. He's going to show you where he is. He's going to tell you where he is. He's going to implore you to go see him for yourself. And that's what the angels did. And that's what the shepherds did. When the angels departed back and left them, they said, let's go see this thing which has come to pass. I like that little phrase. You know, sometimes you miss things in the narrative, but Certain things show up when you read the scriptures more than once. It said, let us now go even into brethren. It says the shepherds sat among themselves. They had a conversation. What's this all about? What do we do? How do we respond? What's next? What does this mean? Do we settle the sheep back down and try to get the quiet back so we can get through the rest of the night? Or shall we go to Bethlehem, go into the little town, go into the little village and see for ourselves what we might see there. And it's interesting We well, you don't have time to look at every one of these little details that are so fascinating, but here's one that I like. It says, they came with haste. By the way, that's the only way to come to Christ. You don't have a minute to spare. You don't have an hour to waste. Your soul hangs in the balance. Your eternal destiny is at stake. You don't have time to contemplate over and over and over and put it off like the ancient Ruler said, I'll inquire of this another time. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. The angels made haste. They wasted not a moment. They got to the site. They came, and when they saw, they saw what they had been told they would see. They saw the blessed family. They saw Joseph, a staunch, a man of God, a man of great faith, a man of great integrity, an incredible man in the lineage of David, who, I mean, in the lineage of David, who would be the, the, the father to Christ on earth, who would nurture him and teach him his trade and teach him everything he needed to know about living the good and the godly and the productive life that Jesus was to live. And the mother, the blessed virgin, who had born this child, of the Holy Spirit and all of the shame and everything that goes with it. And the last of the text said she pondered these things in her heart. This became her life's mission. When she surrendered her life to the Lord, she says, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. That's the way we ought to be before God. When God calls us to a special task, none more special than hers, but we have special tasks as well. Our attitude should be Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Not my will, but thine be done. I am the handmaiden of the Lord. And Mary took on this incredible task to bear and then to nurture and nurse this baby boy. And I'm going to tell you, just jumping ahead in the story, she took care of him all the way the tomb have you read the story Mary his mother was with him during his public ministry she saw him on the cross she was with the people that took him off the cross she took him to the tomb she laid him in the tomb and she was one of the women that was back there the morning after the Sabbath to witness the empty tomb this wonderful woman that's who they saw the shepherds saw a family a godly man a godly woman and they saw the little babe just like he had been so unusual don't the think there was about this baby he was in a manger he wasn't in a beautiful crib he wasn't in a nice nursery like we like to put our little children he was in a manger that's really where he could be distinguished The Humiliation of Christ is an interesting story about how he left the splendors of glory and God Almighty, the word from all eternity, came in human flesh and didn't come to the palace and the nursery of a kingdom, but came all the way humbly to a strawy little manger. And there they found that babe. And... One of the little phrases pretty interesting here in this it says uh, they made haste and they found Mary and Joseph and when they had seen it they witnessed it for themselves. You can't tell anybody about anything that you haven't witnessed yourself. You can't tell them about the Lord if you don't know the Lord. You can't tell them about the Christian life if you're not living the Christian life. You can't share with them the joys and the splendors and the rewards and the the strengths The comfort. We talk about comfort. Our our passage this morning in Isaiah, our call to worship is comfort. It, It means, come means with and fort means fortification, with strength. You can't tell people about that if you haven't seen it and experienced it for yourself. And they did. That's what the whole point was that they might see the gospel. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad. That's preaching, by the way. That's proclamation. Making something known abroad. Preaching it, teaching it, declaring it widely. The saying which was told them concerning this child. They just didn't stare at the child and say, well, that's interesting. That's a pretty little baby. And then turn and leave. They had been tutored by someone. I like to think it might have been Joseph. I don't know. They'd been told something about this baby. They had been instructed. They had been informed. Somebody had presented to them not just the baby, but the remarkable attributes, the remarkable story, the truth about this baby. And that's the story that they heard. And the Scripture says, they made it known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. I'm always seeing little statements like this in the scriptures and I'm I'm a little jealous. Just like I've said before, I'd have loved to have been one of those disciples on the road to Emmaus. (laughs) I'd have loved to have been one of these shepherds sitting and listening to that original pointing to Christ. That's what we do. We point people to Christ and here this is the very first time someone is pointing to that baby and telling the story of what that baby means to the world and to especially his people. In fact, that's what the song had been singing about. That's kind of an interesting little footnote that I researched a little bit because I was reading a different text. I thought, well, I know know the King James was based upon the Textus Receptus, which was not as good a text as we uh, later came to have. And there are some textual issues there, but... That phrase there that the song the, the, uh, the angel sang, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, is not a real good translation, but it is of that text that, that they had. It's, it's been a difficult thing to translate, but let me, let me give it a shot. Let me struggle with it a little this morning. It's not goodwill toward men, as my King James says. It's not among men in whom God is well pleased, as the Revised Standard of 1881, the English Revised Standard said, and others have followed. It's not really this phrase I hear quite a bit in churches read today, among men of goodwill, kind of a modern phraseology. But here's what I think it really tries to say. Among men, or humans, or people, who are the recipients of God's goodwill and pleasure. Peace. Peace with God. Peace with each other. Those who are the object of God's grace and favor. That is the number of the redeemed the believers, the chosen, the elect. Basically, this phrase is saying, glory to God for His grace toward us. And that's the story of the angel's song. It's the gospel. It's what God has done. And that's what the shepherd said in that very next verse. He says, and all that they heard it they wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart and by the way more than likely Luke our writer got some of his original source material either from Mary or some very close associates of Mary When he was in that region of the country, when Paul was in prison and Luke was out roaming around and visiting the churches and the believers, he got the story of this nativity. That's why there's so much detail in the Gospel of Luke about the birth of Christ. But they were told a Gospel story. It's what God has done. And what has happened here now is there's being doxology, praise. That's how the Christian faith is really to be lived. It's to be lived praising God, singing glory to God in the highest. And that last stanza says, come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee. And here's the King's Carol. Christ the Lord the newborn king. Did you catch that phrase before? Come adore on bended knee. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the king, the sovereign Lord of the universe to the glory of God the Father. Have you bent your knee? Are you bending your knee? If you don't bend your knee, give your homage, your devotion, your faith and your trust in Jesus when he is offered to you in the gospel. Then one day you will bend your knee in the terror and the fear and the shock that the shepherds saw when they faced the magnificent glory of God, bend your knee today so that you are not forced to bend your knee in that day.